Welcome to Knowing Him. This is Steve Danielson. And this is Angie Danielson. Join us each week as we explore the hymns of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and share our feelings, insights, and reflections about how each one brings us closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy your favorites and find some undiscovered gems in our journey to knowing Him. Welcome, friends, to today's episode of Knowing Him. I'm your host, Steve Danielson, and I'm here, as always, with my do-gooder co-host, Angie. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Angie, you have always been a a do-gooder, which I consider to be a compliment. Uh, Very service-oriented. I think that's why people love you so much, because you're always thinking about others, showing people you love them by serving them. I think you're awesome. I appreciate that. (laughs) So before we begin today, I want to talk about the super exciting announcement that we had this past week that the new hymn book is close to completion. Yeah, that's so, so very exciting. exciting. <laughs> so uh, according to the uh, church newsroom, uh, digital copies will be available starting in May, and print copies will be available by the end of 2024. Super excited about this. Yeah. So uh, I think it said it was going to be called like Hymns for Home and Church or something, something like that. Something like that. Um, anyway, it's going to have the hymns as well as the children's songs all combined into one book i was gonna have like 500 songs in yeah something like that <laughs> something crazy it's gonna be very different from what we have now yeah i i thought it was funny though i was thinking about it that the 1985 hymn book that we've been talking about so much on this podcast is suddenly going to be relegated to the status of the old hymn book yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, you know we've had it since 1985 that's for us that's a large chunk of our lifetime. Yeah. And now it's going to be the the old hymn book. So uh, the church has already put out a call for singers to record. They, they've said that they want solos as well as choral, as well as multilingual. So they're looking for people to to help record. So not the just hymns. the Tabernacle Choir. Not just the Tabernacle Choir. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, I think last time they put out those CDs with like a studio choir recording all of them but it sounds like they're trying to diversify the the pool a little bit That's so neat. i've put in my application already so we'll see what happens <laughs> uh and just interesting i'm interested to see which of the seventeen thousand submissions gets included in the yeah. book <laughs> crazy how many they received which ones stay and which ones are new yeah yeah, yeah which ones hit the cutting room floor and yep. <laughs> don't see the light of day again. Um, you know, how soon are the people whose hymns get selected? How soon are they going to know? Are they going to know beforehand or they have to wait for it to come out and <laughs> look through it? That's right. I've submitted some myself. I would be surprised if any of them get in there, but it, it would be cool to see a, a hymn you wrote in there. Yeah. All right. Well, any other thoughts on the, new hymn book coming out no i'm excited about it yeah we may have some more as we come and that that could change our the trajectory of our podcast we'll see where (laughs) things happen after that anyway today we are talking about hymn number 223 in the 1985 hymn book uh have i done any good this is a question that we should all ask ourselves more often so this week's hymn corresponds to the come follow me reading in second corinthians 8 to 13 and Angie, you're doing good today and have prepared to talk about the hymn. So yep. <laughs> let's hear what you've got. Okay. Um, so our composer and lyricist are the same person for this hymn. 
Have um, we had that yet? Yeah, we've had we, it. Okay. With a couple, I think. At least one other one. I don't remember. Um, so um, the composer is Will, I'm not sure how you say his middle name, Lamartine or Lamartine. Possibly Lamartine. <laughs> Thompson. <laughs> we'll just call him Will Thompson. There you go. <laughs> um, he was born in 1847 in East Liverpool, Ohio. Yeah, don't get yeah, excited there. Not England. <laughs> East Liverpool, Ohio. I thought it was England at first. Um, but another source I read said that he was born in Smith's Ferry, Pennsylvania, but lived in Liverpool, like East Liverpool, Ohio, his whole life. So I don't know. There was conflicting hmm. information. Yeah, the so. sources I saw, saw said Liverpool. Yeah. Or East Liverpool. Yeah, so. East Liverpool. Most, most of the sources I saw said East Liverpool, so we'll go with that. Um, and he died in um, 1909 in New York City. We'll talk about that a little later. Um, he was the youngest son of seven children, um, and his parents' names were Josiah and Sarah Thompson. And his father was a merchant, manufacturer, banker, two-term member of the Ohio State Legislature. So he was big in the community. Mm. Like, everybody knew his father. And his mother was devoted to social and charitable work. So oh. she was probably pretty well known in the community as well. Um, I thought this was interesting. His family, besides him, got really involved in the pottery business. And they became super wealthy from it. And I actually looked up Thompson Pottery, and there was some beautiful stuff on there, but it said that it's pretty rare to find it nowadays. Oh, yeah? Like, if you have some, it's probably worth a lot of Take money. Take it to Antiques Roadshow. That's right. <laughs> I think that it lasted until the 1930s before it closed. Okay. Um, but it said it's still kind of rare to find it. Um, but they they became very wealthy because of this pottery business, and two of his brothers were the ones that were heavily involved in manufacturing mm. Thompson pottery. Um, and then guess the grandkids couldn't keep it up. And... I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and all sorts of things in East Liverpool, Ohio, are named after them. Okay, so they were, they yeah, were really they were a big a deal big in deal in that, East Liverpool. Yeah, town. So there's Thompson things all over the place there, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Um, but his parents didn't stop his love of music they didn't tell him he had to go into the pottery business or become a legislate on the legislature or whatever they they encouraged him and he began composing as a teenager um he first actually studied business at mount union college in alliance ohio and that actually served him well later i'll talk about that um and then he went to the new england conservatory of music and then to leipzig germany to study music um, and he actually started out writing popular songs and I always think it's funny the pop, what the popular songs were in the 1800s, <laughs> but his, his two most famous popular songs were my home on the old Ohio and gathering shells from the seashore. Wow. <laughs> they don't sound like the popular songs today. <laughs> my home on the old Ohio. Yeah. yeah. So definitely wouldn't hear that on the radio today. That's right. <laughs> Um, so he always wrote his own words and tunes, and I liked what he said about this. He said, no matter where I am, at home or hotel, at the store or traveling, if an idea or theme comes to me that I deem worthy of a song, I jot it down in verse. In this way, I never lose it. So you can probably relate. Yeah. If you get an idea in your head, you got to get it down before you lose it. <laughs> I've lost many an idea for not writing it down. Yeah. <laughs> um... 
<clears throat> so when he was starting out, he tried to get his songs published, but he was rejected. And so he just decided to open his own publishing music company. <laughs> Guess that's one way to do it. Yeah. So he opened the W.L. Thompson Music Company, and they not only sold sheet music, but they sold instruments and other music supplies. Um, and teachers and musicians from all over ordered from his store. I don't think just from Ohio, mm-hmm. but from all over the place. Probably um, got a mail order catalog. That's right. Of all the <laughs> instruments in there. Um, and this is where his business skills came in handy because he had studied business in college. And so he used his business skills to promote this company and it became huge and, yeah. and really well known. And another cool thing he did was that he would travel to people in rural areas and take He'd pile up some instruments in a wagon or whatever and take them out. And he said he actually would like pull out an organ or piano and like set it down and start playing it. Like so people would come out and be like, oh, what's going on? And he'd sell stuff that way. I'm here to form a boys band. (laughs) Got to keep away from these pool halls. Capital P, that rhymes with T, that stands for trouble. (laughs) He was was the music man right there. That's right. (laughs) Um. So, yeah, in the 1880s, it was one of the most prominent music businesses in the whole United States. Wow. So, um, and later he f- opened another publishing company in Chicago. Um, uh, he decided, like, early on in his early adulthood that he wanted, that he owed a lot to the Lord, and he wanted to dedicate his life to writing hymns and gospel music. Hmm. So he shifted his focus from from popular songs like My Home on the Old Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of gathering shells from the seashore, you're gathering sheaves from the, the, the harvest of God. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so in one place I wrote, I read that he was the, a member of the Church of Christ, and another one said he was Methodist. So I don't know if those are related or if there's two different conflicting <laughs> sources. Um, one said that he was a Methodist and then became Presbyterian when he got married. And another one just said he belonged to the Church of Christ. So... <laughs> He was just members of everything. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But at one point, he met Dwight L. Moody, who's a famous evangelist. And um, they really, I guess, hit it off. And Dwight Moody really loved his music. Um, And one um, one of Will Thompson's most famous hymns is Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling. And I think a lot of people know that, know that yeah. one, even though it's not in our hymn books. I mean, I just read the title this evening as I was sort of reading about him, and I'm like, oh yeah, it softly and I'm like, what? Why don't we have this in our hymn book? Why isn't it there? It's such a beautiful yeah tune. I'm, we've so. sung it in different choirs. So I liked this quote um, about when. Dwight Moody was was on his deathbed. Let's, let me read this because he talks about Will Thompson and this song. So it says, The famous evangelist Dwight L. Moody greatly admired Thompson's music and used softly and tenderly in many of his evangelistic rallies in America and Britain. When Moody lay dying after all visitation had stopped, Thompson called on him. He refused until Moody learned it was Thompson. Then he insisted on seeing the songwriter. Moody is said to have encouraged Thompson by saying, Will, I would rather have written softly and tenderly than anything I have been able to do in my whole life. Moody died shortly afterwards while singing the words of that hymn. Mm. I thought that was neat. 
So he really yeah. admired him and really loved this song. Um, and this song was so famous that it was, it's been featured on lots of movies and even on Prairie Home Companion. And I thought that was interesting. And on Prairie Home Companion, it was sung by Meryl Streep, Streep and Lily Tomlin. <laughs> oh, well. So I thought that was pretty cool. So some of his most famous hymns are Put Your Shoulder to the Wheel, which we have in our hymn book. We'll probably talk about that at some point. Yeah. Lead Me Gently Home, Father. There's a Great Day Coming. Jesus is All the World to Me. And, of course, Have I Done Any Good in the World Today? So we just have those two in our in our hymn book. Mm-hmm. Um, we should have a third one. Maybe we'll see it in the new one coming out next year. Softly and tenderly, yeah. Jesus is calling. <laughs> um so he married Elizabeth Johnson, and they had one son, William Leland Thompson, who went by his middle name. And they built a mansion in East Liverpool that's still there. Oh. You, I think you can go visit it. Um, and it's called the Softly and Tenderly House. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. Right <laughs> yeah. <there. laughs> and I loved this, too. He also donated 100 acres to the city of East Liverpool to be used as a park. It's called Thompson Park, and it's still there. And he donated it with the stipulation that no alcohol or gambling was allowed in the park and no ball games on Sundays. And that still holds today. Oh, wow. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Like, so they're still holding to that. What about the pool halls? Do they keep the pool halls away? (laughs) There's no pool halls there. Okay. (laughs) So he loved history and he founded the East Liverpool Historical Society as well. Um, And then... When his family was on a trip to Europe, he got really sick, and they came home, and he died shortly after that. So I don't even know if they made it home, because he died in New York City. So it might have been, like, on the return Yeah, I I heard he died in New York. Yeah. And then was buried in East Liverpool. Yeah. So let's talk about our hymn, Have I Done Any Good? Um, This hymn was first published in 1904. Can you read us the words here? Mm Mm-hmm. Have I done any good in the world today? Have I helped anyone in need? Have I cheered up the sad and made someone feel glad? If not, I have failed indeed. Has anyone's burden been lighter today because I was willing to share? Have the sick and the weary been helped on their way? When they needed my help, was I there? There are chances for work all around just now, opportunities right in our way. Do not let them pass by, saying sometime I'll try, but go and do something today. "'Tis noble of man to work and to give. Love's labor has merit alone. Only he who does something helps others to live. To God each good work will be known. Then wake up and do something more than dream of your mansion above. Doing good is a pleasure, a joy beyond measure, a blessing of duty and love. That's good. I love this hymn. Um, so there was a line that was changed in our 1985 hymnal. <laughs> so I thought this was funny. So, in the previous hymnals, on the, it's the second verse, right? Yeah. Um, It says, only he who does something is worthy to live. The world has no use for the drone. So, (laughs) I guess they didn't didn't like the way that sounded. What was it that Karen Davidson said? It said the people that weren't necessarily, that, that were disabled, felt like that line said they 
They weren't worth anything. They weren't worth anything. Didn't have a reason to live anymore because yeah. they couldn't get out and do something. And that, that I don't think was the intention behind that. No, it's probably talking about people being lazy yeah. and not putting forth any effort. But yeah, it does kind of sound weird in our <laughs> day and age. <laughs> so they changed that to, um, "'Tis noble of man to work and to give. Love labor, Love's labor has merit alone." Oh, wait. Only he who does something helps others to live. To God, each good work will be known. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I was reading the wrong line. Um, and I thought it was interesting in the old hymn book as well that on the chorus, there's this part underneath for the men. So it says, then wake up and do something more. And the men go, then wake, wake up and do something more. And then on, then dream of your mansions above. It's got your mansions above. Like they do a little uh-huh. um, part a little that's, echo. yeah, a little echo. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. I don't think I've ever heard it sung that way. Yeah, I don't think I have either. Um, so I liked from our Latter-day Hymns, this quote by President David O. McKay. He said, the willingness to serve others is ready for expression in the hearts of millions. If only nations or groups in nations will but point the way. So I thought that was really good, but... People, I think people have inside of them a desire to do good for others, but sometimes people don't know what to do, mm-hmm. you know, unless somebody shows them the way. Um, I also liked this quote from Brigham Young. It's also in our Latter-day hymns. And I think that as members of the church, we all know this story where Brigham Young got up in general conference and said, go out and rescue the the handguard companies from the planes. Like, we're not going to sit here and have a conference talking about being good. We're going to go do mm-hmm. good. Well, this is a, actually a different story about the same company, but it's it's a slightly different story. So I was, I was surprised. I'd, I don't know if I'd ever heard this. Maybe I have. Um, but it says, on November 30th, 1856, <clears throat> so this would have been when the handcart companies were actually finally getting into the valley. Um, Brigham Young was conducting a church service in the Salt Lake Tabernacle when word came of the arrival of an immigrant party in the Salt Lake Valley. This ill-fated handcart company had faced cold and starvation, and they were in need of every kind of comfort and assistance. President Young announced, The afternoon meeting will be omitted, for I wish the sisters to go home and prepare to give those who have just arrived a mouthful of something to eat, and to wash them and nurse them up. Were I in the situation of those persons who have just come in, I would give more for a dish of pudding and milk or baked potato and salt than I would for all your prayers, though you were to stay there all afternoon and pray. Prayer is good, but when baked potatoes and milk are needed, prayer will not supply in their pla- their place. <laughs> I like that, you know, because I think when people are really in need, more often they need more than just our prayers. They need us to be up and doing something yeah. and helping yeah, people often need a hand from a physical person. Yeah, <laughs> I was just <clears throat> listening to the church news podcast, and they were talking to people in Maui with these wildfires that have just happened, and talking to several members there, and how all the people have just rallied around and helped each other, and and the church was made into this shelter place and p- 
people were willing to come and make food and for everybody who was there and all sorts gave donated all sorts of items and it was pretty neat that they've had this opportunity to to do good for their community and even member people who weren't members of the church came and offered to help and that just brought their community together it's pretty cool yeah um so in the Come Follow Me lesson, we're in 2 Corinthians 8 through 13, and Paul is teaching the Corinthian saints to give freely to those in need. So can you read 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9? Yeah. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. What do you think this scripture means? I thought this scripture was interesting. I wouldn't imagine that it's talking about physical richness um, because Jesus was not known for being rich during his lifetime, but he was rich in spirit. He was rich in charity. And so by sort of quote unquote spending his charity, his love, his service, he enriched other people he blessed their lives and so through his becoming poor by spending what he had then we become rich by being the beneficiaries of that that's good i hadn't thought of it quite like that i had thought of it more like um which i guess is similar but that he like condescended to come to this earth and live this lowly life mm-hmm. when he was already a god and then like gave us like his riches through the atonement and, yeah like we'll be able to inherit everything the lord has so. well if you think about it his, you know his performing the atonement was the greatest payment of charity yeah. in existence <laughs> yeah <laughs> Exactly. Um, I wanted to read a few more verses here, verses 12 through 15. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. What do you think about these verses? I don't know. I need to look at that again. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds to me like the law of consecration, that, you know, talking about, if you have it, first of all, it's talking about like if you have a desire, if it's in your mind to do good, even if you don't have anything to give, then the Lord looks upon that favorably. And then it says like that nobody would lack, you know, that if if one person has more, then they would give. And if another person lacks, they would get. And so that everybody would be equal. Yeah, I think that goes back to our our hymn text you know, thinking about others' needs. Um, you know, Spencer W. Kimball talked about how when we think about service, we are often thinking about, you know, 
do I have time for it? Do I have the energy for it? Do I have the means for it? But it's really thinking about what the other people need. What mm-hmm. do they need from me? Um, how can I help them? Not how is it going to burden me to help them? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We need to think of it from a different perspective. Yeah. Not so selfishly. And I like the fact that this hymn sort of asks these questions. Mm-hmm. It. I feel sometimes when we get asked questions in a sermon, it really gives us a chance to contemplate and think. You know, our family right now is reading in Alma chapter 5 in the Book of Mormon where Alma is talking to the people of Zarahemla and he keeps asking these questions, you know, are you stripped of envy? Are you stripped of pride? Do you have the Lord's image in your countenance? You know, and he asks these questions so that the people can reflect and be brought to repentance. And this hymn that we're talking about today does the same sort of thing. Have you done any good in the world today? Have you helped anyone in need? You know, maybe these are things that you should be asking yourself. And, mm-hmm. And I like how it's more like in the first person. Have I done any good today? Have I helped anyone in need? So it's not like accusatory. It's like an inner inner reflection. Um, There's a couple other scriptures that I wanted to read. Um, This one's in chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7. Every man according as he proposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So he doesn't want us to be doing it grudgingly. And I've I've had moments when <laughs> I felt a prompting to do something and I didn't really want to do it. <laughs> it's, it's a shame to say that. <laughs> um, but it didn't really benefit me, you know, like mm-hmm. it didn't make me feel happy or like like fine i'll do it and like grumble the whole time it's not like (laughs) it i mean it might have helped the person anyway but it didn't really help you feel any better or closer to the lord so (laughs) it's better to do to be cheerful about giving and be more willing the other one i wanted to read was the one that at the bottom of the the hymn, which is a famous one, we all know. It's James 1, 22 and 27. It says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And then pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So we should be be doers of the word and put our faith into action and be helping those that are in the most need. I mean, this fatherless and widows, I think those are some of the people that are in the most need. Yeah. Sounds like ministering. Yeah, it does. Um, I wanted to read a quote from the Come Follow Me lesson before we sing. So this is actually from a talk by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, who was it's, it was an amazing talk. It's called, Are We Not All Beggars? from um, the October 2014 General Conference. Um, and I'm going to read this longer version of the quote because it's just so good. He says, But then to this very group who had themselves been turned away, so he's speaking about Alma and Amulek at that time and um, 
they were teaching the people of Ammonihah, and then um, I think that's when this is. Or maybe this was for the people in Zarahemla. Or, yeah. Anyway, I'm not sure now. <laughs> I should have looked up this scripture. Um, let me start over. But then to this very group who had themselves been turned away, Amulek says, After you have prayed, if you turn away the needy and the naked and visit not the sick and afflicted and impart of your substance, if you have it, to those who stand in need, I say unto you, your prayer is vain and availeth you nothing, and you are as hypocrites who do deny the faith. What a stunning reminder that rich or poor, we are to do what we can when others are in need. Now, lest I be accused of proposing quixotic global social programs or of endorsing panhandling as a growth industry, I reassure you that my reverence for principles of industry, thrift, self-reliance, and ambition is as strong as that of any man or woman alive. We are always expected to help ourselves before we seek help from others. Furthermore, I don't know exactly how each of you should fulfill your obligation to those who do not or cannot always help themselves. But I know that God knows, and he will help you and guide you in compassionate acts of discipleship if you are conscientiously wanting and praying and looking for ways to keep a commandment he has given us again and again. I thought that was really good. This might be when he was, they were visiting the Zoramites. Um, but yeah, I love that, like, that we need to be looking for ways to help other people and the Lord will guide us and direct us in what we need to do. Okay. We're ready to sing here. Yep. Okay. Have I done any good? Hmm. Have I done any good in the world today? Have I helped anyone in need? Have I cheered up the sad and made someone feel glad? If not, I have failed indeed. Has anyone's burden been lighter today? Because I was willing to share. Have the sick and the weary been helped on their way? When they needed my help, was I there? Then wake up and do something more Then dream of your mansion above. Doing good is a pleasure, a joy beyond measure. A blessing of duty and love. There are chances for work all around just now. Opportunities right in our way. Do not let them pass by, saying sometime I'll try. But go and do something today. Tis noble of man to work and to give. Love's labor has merit alone. Only he who does something helps others to live. To God each good work will be known. Then wake up and do something more. Then dream of your mansion above. 
Doing good is a pleasure, a joy beyond measure, a blessing of duty and love. Well, friends, thank you for joining us today as we discussed the hymn, Have I Done Any Good? As always, it's a joy to be with you and to discuss the hymns. If you'd like to connect with us, please email us at knowinghim at gmail.com or contact us through our website, knowinghim.weebly.com. We'd love to hear from you, what you think about the podcast and about the hymns. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us next week as we sing our way to Knowing Him.